Welcome back to Rude Dude. Welcome back to the Rude Dude Podcast. I am your host, Henny Lokes the Lobster, with my pal, Cameron Shrimp Man, the Cree Davis. As we just uh, fumbled into the other last week or two. Uh, how you doing, Cam? Well, you know what, man? I'm doing better than I was last week. Last week, like I was just telling Bre- uh, Randall in the uh, um, little pre-chat, um, I was on my deathbed last week, man. So I, I want to apologize for for leaving you hanging. Uh, you did a really good job. I wanted to jump out and say you did a really good job on your solo app. Um, there was Thank a lot you. of good, insightful things in there, man. Um, a lot of just raw stuff that I think if you guys haven't listened to that episode, go back and give it a play because it because it was good. It was real. Um Right off the cuff, as as we like to do it around here, and I thought it was fantastic, man. How are you doing? It's super weird. It's a weird thing to do, isn't it? It is, dude. It is. It gets it's easier, though. And, yeah, it does get easier, but it, it's also strange. Um, but I'm doing well. I um, I had a bit of a breakthrough in the gym today because I think I told talked about on here. I got a problem with my shoulder. I think it's my rotator cuff. And I've been kind of bummed because I can't really work out the way I used to. But today I just did different stuff and worked around it. And I was just like, this is your life. You just got to figure it out. It's fine. We're we're just going to do different stuff till we get it fixed. So I feel better because I think I've been kind of bummed like, oh, I can't work out. But I can. I just have to do it differently. So I feel good about that. Nice, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I dude, I, I struggle with like my right shoulder. It got dislocated in a drunk shenanigan and, and, and I have like, no, I have no, I have no range of motion with it, man. Like that's as far as that goes. So, so I, I can sympathize. I got to get it fixed. I got to get it fixed, except I refuse to get surgery. So I'll just sit here and, and bitch and complain about it. Like, like we always there you do. Go. Yeah. 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 Well, what are we getting into? Right. dude? I'm excited. Well, uh, we have today uh, a guest who is probably our most quoted person on this podcast because he was a, um, what do we call him, a tech at the rehab I went to, Jacob's Ladder, and he's one of the people that I credit with uh, probably learning the the most of the things that I use the most in recovery, um, the most influential person at that rehab, which is the rehab that stuck. And uh, he has the experience himself, which we love because, you know, none of us want to take advice from somebody who hasn't been through it or learned it from a book. So he's been through it. Um, He developed this awesome program that he applied up at the ladder and, um, uh, he's just a great guy also to have in your corner. He also answers his phone um, anytime I need anything. You can always call him and, and just have a chat. And I really look up to him. And I'm really excited to introduce the one, the only, Randall Brown. Hello. Randall. Hello, gentlemen. How's it going today, brother? I'm glad I'm at this part of the day. <laughs> what? Like right now I work at Bartlett House here in Morgantown and I work with Yeah. 
mental illness and substance abuse in a strong combination and other people who don't have either, but just find themselves homeless and work to get them affordable housing. But, um, that dual diagnosis is no joke. No, no. And the, and you know, the funny thing about that, which actually, I guess it's not really funny is the yeah. two coincide, right? Like, like I have like impre- depression and anxiety. Henry deals with it too. And and there's something to that, that those two things kind of come together and, 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 and we, we either are like addicts or alcoholics. I don't know. I seem to find that everybody who has like a bipolar disorder or something like that usually has a substance abuse problem. You dealing with like a lot of, a lot of real sick people. Like, what are we talking? Like schizophrenics, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And some are medicated and some choose not to be medicated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just long-term stuff. It's not like they found out recently. And so I like the challenge of it. It's also difficult because I have to, well, I've had to learn how to calm down and I'm still working on that because I'm at a different level of in recovery and I'm wanting them to get like that initial taste and, that desire mm-hmm. to do more and want more. Mm-hmm. That's that old powerless word again. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel for you because I had um, a friend that I brought out here and he was on psych meds and there was a point where he decided that he just, well, he ran out and he didn't, wasn't on top of getting more and these are the kind of meds that like you're not supposed to just stop taking and it got pretty bad pretty fast and it was very difficult to deal with so i can't imagine the um the emotional fatigue from that it's definitely tough and it's not like i haven't done it before but not on i haven't done it on this level where technically it's about 75% 75% of who I work with. Yeah. You know, so not that I want to avoid it, but I've learned to just have some good general conversation and that can draw people in as well. Once they become more trusting. Yeah. I, I worked uh, back. Like it was, I think it was like my first or second job at a high school. I worked with adults with disabilities and I had, I had, a, I had exclusively a, a schizophrenic client who had dementia and, uh, mild like retardation and it, it was a challenge man it's a different thing it's a different deal when you're dealing with like a stubborn addict or alcoholic right but when you're dealing with somebody who who actually just has you know a few screws loose it, it, it's hard to have those types of conversations so trying to navigate i can i can sympathize with you randall but um i i, I commend you for doing the lord's work man that's 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 awesome man that is because people need help like that well my mom told me Years ago when I was struggling and I was in and out and in and out. And one time I was a period I was doing well. She said, Randall, you got to stay away from that stuff because I want you to get back into what you do because you're good at helping people. I was like, wow, thanks, mom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so that, you know, some things, you know, she she passed away New Year's Eve 2008. But I remember damn near everything she said to me, hurtful or helpful. You know, and I reflect back on those statements all the time now. Randall, you're not welcome here, but if you need a sandwich, you can stop by my oh house my and get God, a sandwich. Dude. <laughs> oh, my God. You talk about stunned. I looked at her. You know, when you know when your parent is like, oh, no, she was serious. 
<laughs> I went into treatment the next day because I could not imagine going back to my mom's door and going, hey, mom, I'm here for that sandwich. <laughs> no, no. I, could, I could not do that. It was at that moment. All no, right, I'll go no, to treatment. No, I'm going to treatment. Well, Randall, if you can believe this, we met about six years ago now. I came to West Virginia in the end of 2017 to Jacob's Ladder. And I don't know. I came willingly, but I I think I was kicking and screaming a little. What do you remember about that time? What was your initial impression of me at that time? Well, first of all, anybody who is there, they're there for a reason. And there's an expectation of what the hell am I doing I'm so far away from home. It's a little bit different than what I thought, you know, all of that. And and you were just like normal in that. And early on, one of the things I remember that you were doing, you would cut into people's conversations and tell them what your opinion was. <laughs> <laughs> and that was pretty cool sounds- to sit back and watch that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Sounds pretty on brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my experience with Jacob's Ladder was funny because I had been to rehabs. They weren't necessarily like fancy, but they were nice places and they had chefs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I got there and they're like, all right, you guys cook your own food. There's there's meat in the freezer. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't want to <laughs> cook my own food. What? Like uh, I, I did have ideas that I could run a rehab better than Chad when I first got there. I get that. I, I absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that many so, times. <laughs> I think I've said in the past, I felt like that when I got there and I still feel that way. But either way, you know, um, that's a hard job. Actually, I wouldn't want that job or to wish it on my worst enemy. But um. So tell tell us and the listeners a little bit of of your story and uh, your a little bit about your journey. Before I, w- I get into that, I want to mention like one of the big things that Jacob's Ladder did for me. I started okay. writing addictive behavior awareness topics and developing my journal in two thousand two thousand and one when I was incarcerated. And so over the years, you know, I'm writing and I'm, I relapsed twice and then I get on this period of clean time I'm on now and I get serious about the ABA on another level. And when I got up to Jacob's Ladder, one of the things that I was like blown away with was so many guys from outside of the state of West Virginia that got the awareness that I was hoping to give them. And so it let me know, it let me know that the message I was sharing was not just a West Virginia message or a local message. And that helped me out a lot and helped my confidence out a lot. Big time. Now, there were a lot of things about, I mean, it's the only program I've ever left and been successful. And there were a lot of different elements to that. But I think it's funny because what I didn't like in the beginning was that it was like non-traditional or what I was used to. And I think in the end, that was actually what what made it work for me because it was different. It wasn't just sitting in a class all day, every day and you know, there was other elements to it in the farm and right. like, you know, there, there was just a lot of different stuff that made it not so 
rigid and not like a traditional rehab experience that that just somehow works you know they had they had an idea and you know sometimes it was a little a little shaky i remember dr b sat us down in the living room one time and he was like guys we're flying this plane and it's not finished being built yet and i was like what (laughs) like i wouldn't have got on a plane that wasn't built yet if i would have known that what are we talking about here those were good days when you came and sat in the chair Right. Yeah, I don't think that happens as much, but um but yeah, I was pretty early. I was probably like the third or fourth if like graduating class area. Um just after the documentary. The documentary came out when I was when I was there. So mm-hmm. um but yeah, let's let's get into a little bit of your story. Over the last two or three years when I've been asked to give a lead. Like, I used to be troubled. Oh, my God, what am I going to say? I got to say this. I got to mention that. And I forget a bunch of shit, you know. And then at the end, I'd be like, oh, my God, I forgot to say this. I forgot to say that. And I actually would think I needed to go up to some people and say some of the things that I didn't say that I thought they need to hear. Yeah. So that's gone. Um, And what I'll share with you all is what I do now. I keep it really simple. And I talk about the mess and then the miracle. And I don't have to worry about saying or forgetting or those types of things. I just, whatever comes out, comes out. And my mess is like many others. I truly, and I mean, I truly believed that I could stop when I wanted to. I didn't have my first beer or drug till I was 23. Went through college, went through high school. I was like a nerd before they called them nerds. And when I graduated college with my little degree in social work from West Virginia Wesleyan, it was like, I'm a man now. I can drink. I got drunk that first night, second night. And then, you know, it's just that progressive thing. And then I'm smoking weed. And then somebody says, hey, you want a line of this, Randall? My answer was, sure. Not what is it, but sure. You know, and the progression went on, and I find myself in Miami, Florida, and I couldn't find powder cocaine one night. And I was no no addiction thoughts in my mind at all. And it was a huge storm, and I had all the other stuff, but I needed to crack. And my neighbor next door, they had a bumping party going on. And I knock on the door. I was like, hey, man, where can I get some powder at? And this dude looked at me and goes, no damn powder in here. We got Bolo. I'm like, what the hell, what the hell is Bolo? He was like, crack, motherfucker. You know, and it was like, <laughs> what? How you do that? And that's the first night that I ever did it. And after that, mm. my usage pattern changed. My life changed. I became extremely manipulative, irresponsible, and non-current. And my self-esteem was super high. And um, it's a terrible drug. I can say that now. But, you know, I was going through the fun stages and then it got to be fun with problems and then with just problems. And I was the only one that recognized years later that I was living a problematic lifestyle, attempting to have fun. And the fun had been gone. Been gone back in the late eighties, early night. It had been gone, but I was still chasing it, you know. And 
the mischief continued. I've, I've had great jobs, great jobs, professional jobs that people retire from. And I'd say, fuck it and get high. And there was, if people always would ask me why. And I've come to find out through my current sponsor, Chris B. Randy doesn't always have to be a, a why. It can just be at that moment and at that time you wanted to get high more than you want to stay clean and you fed into it. Because I can give you all kinds of reasons and name all kinds of names, but they weren't around. I was just emotionally damaged. And that was my go-to. Um, over the years, it's been like, I was clean four years, three months, four years, nine months. And my last relapse was four years, 11 months, and two weeks. I could never get five years clean. And that last one broke me. Um, I was living in Fairmont, relapsed up here in Morgantown, out in the Osage area. And I, I never even go out there. Now that I've moved to Morgantown, I don't even sniff Osage. I don't even want to go out that way. Just, I just don't want to go. I'm, I have been through there, and I think, ugh. Or I think, <laughs> I remember when, you know, so I, I just kind of avoid the area. But uh, one night I had, God, had spent five or $600, and my heart started beating real fast. Boom, 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 boom. And they'd done it before. But this time, 40 minutes in, it was pounding. And a little voice came in my head and said, if you don't stop, you're going to die. And so I jumped up, grabbed my keys. I'd already sent the houseman out with money to go get another eight ball. I grabbed my keys and left. And I drove all the way back from Morgantown to my apartment in Fairmont. And I thought the man was behind me the whole time. I just knew the man was getting ready to pull me over. I thought when I parked my car, the man was already in my apartment. When I went in my apartment, I thought the man was outside waiting, getting ready to kick in the door. I mean, it was so much paranoid cocaine psychosis going on. It was crazy. And that was on October 18th of 2011. And I finally went to sleep. I slept and ate on the 19th. I slept and ate on the 20th. And on the 21st, I wanted to get high again. And I had $1,500 left. I never forget it, $1,500 bills. And I was like, you feel fine. Your heart's fine. And I've been homeless three times as well in my life for my addictive behavior. And I said to myself, Randall, if you go do this again, you're going to be homeless how about calling your sponsor? And I made that choice and called him. He said, I said, man, will you still sponsor me? He's like, I don't know, Randall. How about showing up at the meeting tonight, half hour early, and we'll talk? I said, okay, I'll be there. A couple hours later, two females that I was fooling around with in the dope game, they called with, hey, Randall, what you doing? <laughs> And I said to them, it was like, you want to come up? It's some good shit in town, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't do that shit no more. And I hung up the phone. 
blocked and deleted them. And I went to the meeting that night. Amen. And that was day one for me. And now it's 12 years and three months, three or four months. The 21st of this month was another month. Nice. November, December, 12 years, three months. And I'm real proud of myself. Sometimes I think, man, I can't believe you're still clean. But part of my miracle, a big part of my miracle is allowing myself to finally feel my emotions and not anesthetize Mm -hmm. them anymore, run from them. And I've had Mm -hmm. two or three relationships end since 2011, and I did not get high. And, you know, it's a lot of emotions in a relationship ending. But the way I knew how to deal with that didn't work for me. And so I, I just, as they say, sat on my hands and I let myself feel it. And I kept getting a little better and a little better, a little better, and my thinking changed. Um, I've had just so many little miracle things happen. Like the one that I wanted to mention to you all tonight is, I <coughs> let's see, two years ago I was at a speaker. I was invited to speak at this thing, a federal thing from Samsha down in Charleston. It was called Faces and Voices of Recovery. And I was speaking on the lack of African-Americans in treatment or in 12-step recovery in the state of West Virginia. I know the numbers are low, but the numbers weren't low when I was incarcerated. I saw a lot of people that looked just like me when I was incarcerated. So I've been wondering over the years, are they getting equal access to the treat all the treatment that's available in the state of West Virginia? So I'm speaking on that. And I talk and, you know, whatever. And after I finish, this lady comes up to me and she says, you don't know me and I don't know you till today. And I don't remember her name, but she said, do you remember the CARES package that you had to do? I was like, yeah, that was to get certified to be a peer, certified peer recovery coach and all of that. She said, I want you to know that. There are five of us in that committee. And when we pulled your file, the first vote was four to one. Hell no for four. And I was the only one that was saying he's perfect. And what you had to do was put down everything that you had ever done in your life on a negative side, any criminal behavior. And they would judge you on that and determine whether or not you were the type of person that should be helping others. And was that while you were in prison that you that you filled that out no, or applied for no. that? This was in 2019 oh. that I filled it out, but I didn't become aware of it to 2021 when it, I met this lady. Because all I knew was I got a letter that said you are approved, welcome, you're certified, you know, continue doing what you're doing. But this lady tells me that out of the five people, four said no. And she said, I sat there and fought for you for like 40, 50 minutes. And the next vote was 3-2, yes, for you to be a certified coach. And it was crucial because I locked into that job, and I'm still doing it now. And I never thought, never even imagined that there was a big discussion on whether I would be allowed to do this in the state. And when she told me that, I started crying. But see, there are people in our lives working for us and fighting for us that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet one of those people. Your prayer team. Yeah. Somebody on my prayer team or somebody on my cheerleading squad that I know, didn't even know. 
And you talk yeah. about emotions. Woo. That was a pretty cool moment for old Randall. Hey, I'll tell you. Oh, <laughs> there's something so cool about that, right? Like yep. that just somebody at random, somebody, somebody doesn't know you from Adam can, can look and see what a piece of paper says and goes, yeah, this ain't, this ain't happening. You know what I mean? But then you get one person with a good heart who's willing to give somebody another chance. Right. And they yep. sit there and they, and, and who knows what compelled her to do that. Right. I like right. to believe it's the higher power God. Um, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, Randall needed a chance. Right. And those are those yeah. miracles that we always like to talk about in the program. Like when, whenever I talk to somebody who's fresh in recovery or, or thinking about it, be like, man, it's so cheesy, but don't quit before the miracles happen. Right. I mean, that That's is, right. that is true, man. That is true in some capacity, in some capacity it is. And it's so hard to believe in the beginning, but, but, but see that story right there is proof of it in itself. Right. Like, like, you know, it's the path you wanted to go. And in any other day, um, you know, it could have been, oh, yep, four to one, see you later, Randall. And then who knows where right. you're at, right? Who knows? Right. Who knows? Right. Well, and what's crazy is those people have no idea what a disservice it would have been to the state of West Virginia to not allow this man to be blessing all the lives that he has. Yeah, and it's that ripple effect, right? It's that ripple effect. So see, that one act actually spread out. It's like I like to envision it as I'm sitting here thinking about it as these roots, right? And and and, and Randall getting in actually got to spread out and has affected more lives that I mean, I've heard I'm sitting here I'm with one of my best friends from California, Randall, you know what I mean? And he talks about you all the time and the people that come on here from from Jacob's ladder, talk about you all the time. And that never would have happened had right. that lady just agreed and, you know, and, 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 and she to decide, I mean, who knows, maybe it would have, but, but it, but it, it played out this way. And I think that's, there's something really beautiful about that. I love that type of shit, man. I really do. That gets me so fired up and I love it so much, man. <laughs> yeah. People talk about spiritual awakenings. I couldn't think of another one greater than that for me. Yeah. Like I got trained to do this job. In December of 2012, I was in the second class ever in the state. Nobody from the first class even got a job in the field, and I'm the only one remaining from the second class. So I've been doing this longer than anybody in the state, and I don't say that to mean I'm the best at it. It's just that I've stuck with it, and I've learned so much from just sticking with it because it's not easy a lot of times. Oh, yeah. But I learn from I like the assholes because you learn from them. The ones who aren't assholes are easy, but the assholes are are, you hear it, you hate it, but you got to come up with different strategies. Uh Huh, Huh, Henry? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I one of the best days up at Jacob's Ladder is when we got a new client. And their first time going oh to see Randall Brown, you're gonna like, say this. Oh, what's this motherfucker going to say? Because <laughs> <laughs> there are certain words and phrases that if you say that sound a lot like you not taking responsibility, that if you say in front of Randall Brown, he's going to fucking let you know quick, fast, and in a hurry. So I'm like, ooh, I hope he says this or that. <laughs> Just waiting for Randall to jump on. Yeah, because everybody comes in talking about how they're trying. <laughs> and that's such a bullshit word when you're seeking recovery. That's what we tell Damn normies. It, I, we tell normies. I was hoping. 
I was hoping we would catch Cameron saying it before you said it. But all right, go ahead. Uh, uh, you're just sitting there waiting, praying on my downfall over here. I was not going to tell you. I was praying on your downfall. I was. Tell us about trying, Randall. Well, it's not about doing. And when you think about being confronted by loved ones that absolutely care about you, one of the first things we say, I'm trying. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to find a job. I'm trying to learn how to manage my money better. I'm trying to get up and go to work. I'm trying to make 40 hours this week and blah, 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 all led by the word try. But what are we actually doing? We're still just getting high. And so when we come into, in my opinion, when we come into honestly seeking recovery, it's time to start doing. Tell me what you're doing or what you want to do. And then that's when I can go to work. But I can't live in yeah. early recovery with somebody for months about trying, 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 because my bullshit detector goes off there. You know, it's just not healthy. Yep. Trying trying ain't doing No, no, no. So tell us a little bit about about ABA and, and your process of uh, coming up with that. Oh, man. I was laying on my bunk in a regional jail and... A friend of mine has sent me a prescription to USA Today, and I was reading the life section, and there was an article by this famous rocker, I can't remember his name, who was in recovery and had been clean for 11 years. And he said his biggest issue was he felt guilty that he had so many opportunities to get clean, he went to seven rehabs and the seventh one clicked for him. And he felt guilty because of the people that did not have the opportunity to make it to X amount of treatment centers before the miracle happened for them. And this was in the year 2000. And I'm thinking, wow. And he said in that article, well, It started out for me like this. It was fun. And then it was fun with problems. And then just problems. And my head almost busted. And I grabbed pen and paper while in that that cell. And I started writing about my fun. And then when the fun was there, the problems started creeping in. And then when there was just problems and there was no more fun or fun, it was just lockdown problems. And that's my first ABA topic. That's an important one for me because I think as as addicts, many of us, or for myself, I tend I had this idea where I like to glorify in my mind all these these fun times that I had and reminisce and oh yeah, that was so much fun. But when I when I heard that and learned that, I was like, oh yeah, it was it. I definitely just got to the problem stage. So anytime I ever thought about a relapse, yep. if I could just pull on on that, what you said of like the fun was so long ago. The fun was not the last time I was getting high or drunk. The fun was a long, long time ago. And it's it turned into not fucking fun. And it was maintenance and it was problems and it was hurting everybody. And it was going to jail and going to rehab. 
that's what it was. This this old shit that I'm trying to reminisce and think was so fun. That was when I was 18 fucking years old, and I'm 30 plus now. Like <laughs> me going back now is not is not going to a house party with some ecstasy with all my best friends. Like it's that's not what it looks like. It looks like me drinking a bottle in my fucking truck at work, like trying to hide it from my bar or something. You know what right. I mean? It's not fun. It's it's not a good time anymore. So. The, hearing that from you was is one of the things that I held on to and latched on to, and it was a great tool to use to remind myself because um, we 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 do that glorification. I was like, no, that's not it. it. It wasn't that for a long time, dude. I gotta I gotta jump in real quick. For some reason, that simple statement was just so profound to me when I sat here and I think about when was the last time it was fun, right? And, and and you and you hit it right on the head. Like when I sit back and I try to marinate on that, I go, okay, well, when when was it fun? Okay, it goes back to like that time that you're talking about, Hen. Like like twenty one, twenty one. Like you know what I mean? And, and like like I didn't get sober till twenty eight. You know, like like that was a lot of years of of not fun. But it's so crazy how it turns into problems. And Randall, I'm glad you brought that up because Henry's quoted that. Um, you know, fun, then fun with problems and then just problems on this podcast, at least, I think I'd say what over under probably five or six times now. Hen? I do remember the first time I said it and you were like, Ooh, oh, yeah. Ooh wow, yeah. like it's a great fire, man. It really is because it, it truer words have never been spoken. Right. It, I mean, One of the things that I learned from that topic, because I presented that topic more than any ABA that I've presented. When, I have a group of people, I don't care if it's five or 15. After I do the fun section, there has to be a 15 or 20 minute break because the room is craving. The body language is off the hook. The legs are shaking. People are constantly scratching their head. It's a little bit of like laughter at other people's stuff, which I don't put up with. But people are just reminiscing about that party fun time. And then when we, I have to give a break then and I always apologize. Like, Hey, I know that one's rough to think about. So let's take a break and let everybody get a reset. Cause when we come back, we're going to get into some more deeper stuff. And that's been very helpful for me to, to read that body language of the people in the group, males or females. <clears throat> Yeah, so I, I just realized we hadn't even explained. So ABA is addictive behavior awareness for people yep. that don't know. There's four pillars of ABA, irresponsib irresponsibility, self-esteem, either high or low, non-caring attitude, and manipulation. Correct. And if you have one of the four, you need to think about it, figure something out. If you have two, you're starting down a bad path. If you have three... You're in deep shit, and you're headed for a relapse. Is, you can't is, tell uh, you the day. I just can't pick yeah. the day for you, but it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But you don't want to hear anything when the people say, hey, you're not around anymore. You're not connected. You're not answering your phone. You're not calling me. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'll try to I'll try to get in touch. Try to get in touch with you. You know, and <laughs> that's when it's like, uh-oh. Because what I had to yeah. do, I had to look back at, Randall, why couldn't you just truly stop when you wanted to? And those four areas were the baseline for why I could not stop. I thought I was the slickest, the smartest, because I was doing things that nobody knew 
but me. And once that list grew, having a beer and smoking some crack, nobody was going to know that either. I was just going to do it one or two times or spend X amount of money. And the shit show would start because I never activated a plan that I had before I used, after I used. Never. I always had a great plan, <laughs> but I never activated <laughs> any of those plans. Once I got it in my body, it's owned. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that I I think that really set in my brain as well. Um, because there was like a I have this saying of like, I don't like to do things that feel like active addiction. And that's kind of that's kind of your point in in those four pillars of like right. once you start doing these things, you're headed down that path. And you know, when you let yourself get away with this lie, even if it's just like um, oh, I, I, I borrowed the car and I didn't tell my mom, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. It's nothing, but you're starting and we have this, uh, nature as human beings. We want to get away with more and see how far we can push the line. So you, you beat that into our heads of like, just doing this little thing can lead to this thing, to this thing, to this thing. And that's how these domino effects start. And that's what takes us back out. Right, it's all that little stuff, and then something major happens, and it's, you know, well, hell, I can do this or I can do that. And that decision, of course, is very, very harmful. But I'm here to tell you now, if you are aware of it, you can't catch it, and you can change it before it turns into a mountain. Yeah. Awareness. I, yep, the awareness. I, I, so you came up with, with, you came up with that whole program, Randall? Absolutely. Nice. Straight out of the brain. Nice. I, I think it's yeah. really cool. And, and there's a lot to that because I'm sitting here, we have like Henry and I have a shared note section and I'm looking the your responsibility, the self-esteem, the caring attitude, the manipulation, the manipulation piece is an important one. Cause sometimes I can catch myself trying to do that still to this day. Right. Like, like, and, trying to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all do it. Like, like all of a sudden oh. I, I can, I can catch myself like, Oh, Hey, I can, I can weasel my way like this. And, and I'm back like, you know, just like in my subconscious acting like drunk Cameron again. Right. Like, and then all of a sudden you can kind of realize when you snap out of it and be like, Oh shit, I was just, I was just doing drunk Cameron things. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and, 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 and luckily, luckily um, I'm able to catch that these days because, because if I didn't, like I said, it's only a matter of time before, or like you guys said, it's only a matter of time before you're relapsing. Cause that, that, that leads nowhere good. The hardest thing for manipulation, and it's a reason it's the top one on my four areas, it's real emotional. I took advantage of a lot of people. I used a lot of people. I manipulated a lot of people in lots of different ways. But ultimately, I manipulated myself because I was the affected party over and over and over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And so now catching myself before I dive into manipulative behavior, has been so key for me. I just want to do it. I go, nah, that never works for me. Yeah. That sneaky yeah. shit, trying to take advantage of a situation or a person. Nah, pass. It just feels Congratulations, so Congratulations, you played yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just feels so fucking gross when we do it, too. Right. Like, yeah. like when you, if, if you even, even thinking about it, it's just like, it just feels so fucking gross. <clears throat> I, I, I don't know, man. Like, like 
diving into that type of old behavior just it's just not who we are even though it's still there always with us it's just not who we are anymore well if it was all right we wouldn't feel the guilt and shame that's going to come down the road that's right proper behavior doesn't fear exposure ever that's right. That's one of my that's one of my favorite Randall Brown quotes. Proper behavior doesn't fear exposure. Not fear exposure. Nope. Um yeah, and uh shit, I lost it. Oh, and when you're around, what's interesting what's about this is when you when you're around the rooms in recovery for a while, it's really easy to to see this in in people, other people and it's like clockwork, man. You see these kind of behaviors that you know are addictive behavior. And yep. whether it's now or, or in a month, I've seen it a hundred times since I've been in West Virginia. I'm like, ooh, you see somebody doing something. And I, I say, like, I don't like people who live clean but do dirty stuff. And we've yep. talked about it on on here. Like, my thing is, if you do, if you, we've all done bad shit when we were drinking and getting high. and and not that it's okay, but you know, if you've changed your behavior, you're living in the the solution and all that, then I can deal with that. But if you're clean and doing bad shit, like you're just a bad person, you're no longer have the veil or the excuse of, Oh, I was higher. I was fucked up. Now you're just being a piece of shit. And more times than not, that kind of behavior just leads you right back to the streets and right back to your drug of choice. That's so right. see, seeing it from from this perspective, it, it makes so much sense. Like I'd see these things in other people and I'm like, ooh, and and sure enough, like every time. And see what you just shared is another one of the topics in my journal. It's called gathering evidence. Mm. When I see it when I hear it. I go, Damn. And usually the person's bragging and they got the chest stuck out and blah, 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 and then throw in the pity statement. And I'm like, damn, damn, four and a half months clean, eight months clean. Damn. I'm sure I'm glad that's not me today. Yeah. Tell us about. I, uh, with, I was just going to say I struggle with should I approach that person and more often than not it's no other than a hug and glad you're here. Hope you come back that kind of stuff. Yeah. Tell us about, uh, was it any better? Was it any better out there when they said that to you? Oh my God. No, no. <laughs> um, the day, damn, I can't believe you remembered that. Oh yeah. My first day when I decided to go to my home group instead of coming back up to Morgantown and blowing my $1,500, that was a powerful meeting for me. Number one, everybody that was in the meetings that I was close with when I relapsed was still there. My relapse didn't make everybody else relapse. And <laughs> and that was kind of like I thought I was the shit. No, somebody else probably's out. No, everybody else was there doing fine. And, and they gave me a lot of love at the meeting. And after the meeting, four or five guys said, hey, Randall, come, on, come over here. We want to talk to you. And... They circle me up and I'm like, damn, what's going on? <laughs> and they go, you know, Randall, sometimes we think about getting high and you're the one that's got high more recent than us. So we have to ask you, are we missing anything? Is it getting any better? And I got so fucking angry. 
I'm like, you motherfuckers, I can't believe you said that to me. And then they gave me a big group, a big group hug. And they said, stay this time, motherfuckers. Stay. We love you. We care about you. And of course, I'm crying like a baby again. Yeah. And that was one of my like, woohoo, I got people to care about me. Yeah. Well, and that ties into collecting evidence, right? So. Yep. We don't have to relapse. We can we can go up to the person that relapsed and maybe not literally, sometimes literally, and be like, was it, how, how what, was it better? Well, I fucking crashed my truck. I went to jail, and uh, now I got court on the 16th and because I I uh, I violated parole. Like, hmm, that doesn't sound better. Maybe I'll stay, I'll stay clean for today. <laughs> right, right, right. No matter who you are, how much you have, or who you think you are, or how much you think you have, we only have that 24-hour period, and it's really knocked down to 16 or 15 hours, depending on how much you sleep. Can you handle 16, 17 hours awake and not get high? Yeah, I can do that. Just for today. It's really Just for the day. It's really kind of simple when you put it in that in that context, right? Like, like yep. hey, hey, I got I got like 15, 16 hours I gotta make through. That, that that's it. And I just gotta go to sleep. And then I, yep. gotta, I just gotta wake up and do that again. And yep. and and, and it, I mean it's real easy when you put it that way. Um I never thought about it that way. It's I've always just heard, you know, twenty four hours <coughs> a day. It's another twenty four hours. But yeah, it's really only sixteen. <laughs> right. When I came back from my relapse, I one of the things I was tasked to do was to pay attention to the slogans in 12 step recovery. Keep it simple one day at a time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I started just buying into that so hard. Uh-huh. Keep it simple, Randall. Hang with the winners. Yeah. You know, and just paying attention to it. What are these people with 10, 15, 20 years doing? You know, they're giving it away, reaching out to the newcomer, all of those little things. And I start buying into that and doing that, and that helped me out tremendously because I wasn't really that guy before. But I became that guy, and I I felt better about why I was in the room. Yeah, and all those slogans, they – they seem complicated, but they're really as simple as they sound. But it takes time to to almost like figure out the simplicity of them. I didn't even understand just for today right. for a, a long time. I think it was three years in and out of recovery or something before I was like, oh, OK, that I just don't I don't have to worry about my wedding or my daughter's wedding or New Year's or I just today. I just have to be clean for the rest of today. And then I worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And that's what they're saying. But I never even, I didn't even put the two together. I think we have a tendency to complicate it. That's another one. It's, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. Right. It's simple, but it's not easy to put into practice. Did you, uh, so do you have an ABA topic for us? Absolutely. All right. Let's do it. Now, I'm going to tell you what the topic is, and then I'll give you a couple of little of the talking points with it. But the topic is, what is your relationship with your secrets? I don't want to know the secret, but I want to know what your relationship is with your secrets. 
That's a hard one. Cameron, here's the rules. You can't eat in class. And you can't say, <laughs> and, and you can't say I don't know. And you can't pass. Everybody has to talk. Okay. Um, that's an interesting one. And, and I feel like it's so much different now with where I'm at. Because a wise man once told me, I don't do things that I have to lie about. That's right. And ever since then i've uh i've been trying oh uh oh there i went i've right. i've uh i've lived my life that way you're really, do you have an answer cameron well hold on hold on now that you know what it is what is your relationship with your secrets is it harmful is it shameful is it guilt written Definitely shameful and and uh, guilt guilt ridden. I would say. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, I I'm not going to say try. Um, it's hard for me to not say that. Um, but uh, I I do practice being honest and and not holding secrets. But I think it's human nature, and sometimes. I can find myself doing that. Uh, and when I do, there is, there is a shame to it. There is a shame and there, and there is, there is a guilt. I'm not trying to piggyback off you, but depending on what the secret is. Uh, yeah. Cause I think there's, and, and just full transparency, actually, now that I'm sitting here doing some thinking, cause I'm trying to do this properly. Uh, I think there's still a few things that, like, you know, I haven't even really fully processed in these six years, you know, like some, some things that I didn't get through in step four and five, you know, mm-hmm. that, that have come to, that have come to head that, that I just forgot about when I was doing those steps. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, there's still some guilt and shame that hangs there. Yeah. And the other, like I have five other talking points, but the, the most effective one is what role did your secrets play while you were in active addiction and what role the secrets play now that you're in recovery? Uh, the secrets in active addiction were like almost one of like the, I put them in the top three for like motivating, keeping me loaded. Uh, okay. I, Cause I, I was a, I was a constant liar. I would lie. I would lie, manipulate. That's why the manipulation thing pointed that, that kind of caught me. That was one of my things. Like I was, I was a, I was a, I thought I was a fucking puppet master, right? Like, yeah. like, like we all do. Uh, you know, I was fooling everybody. It was smoking mirrors. And no one knows. No, no one knows what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, here I am, dude. You know, like, like no I'm one, so good at this shit. Yeah, yeah, I was, have no idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, 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 my girlfriend thinks I'm going to work. No, I'm not. Uh, so, yeah. you know, uh, it was definitely a huge motivating factor now. And, and uh, in, in recovery, like I said, I work really hard to not hold those things, but sometimes it still creeps up to want to do it. Right. And I just, just that's just me being honest. Uh, and I, but I think we're, we're, we're working progress, aren't we? Are we not, you know, we're right. And the, the part about, okay, you recognize that that's a, yeah, you can admit that now. So now you're in recovery. Can you see how secrets can fuck up your recovery? If you start getting a pile of secrets and nobody knows, but you, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Cause it's that, it's that, it's like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm collecting all these unhealthy treasures, you know, there I mean? you go. Right here, you're coming with me, you're coming with me and it's mine. It's all right. It's safe with me. Right. 
It's safe right. with me. It's okay. Right. It's okay. And then, and then right. it pops up in your head and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to think about that. You know what I mean? And, and so you could see how, yeah, it's a, it's unhealthy to do. It's unhealthy to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And how about you, brother? Well, I, I just got to say, I, I agree with you. The secrets I'm thinking about are real old because, Randall, you're going to get me in trouble. My fiance is going to come home from work after she listens. She's going to go, what what secrets? I was wondering what <laughs> secrets you're talking about. I don't have current secrets because I don't talk live my life that way. doesn't fear exposure. You can talk about the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think. But, yeah, in, in active addiction, it was – like a defense mechanism it was my and and i think it thinking of it as like a vicious cycle of like i made these secrets and they pile on top of each other and then i have to make up more lies and secrets and i have to keep up keep track of them and it's it's one of those like cycles that keeps you sick because you're so you've got like cameron said you're piling all this stuff on and just adding to it and adding to it to where you've like built this cave of secrets that you're you're trying to like hide in and and um it just perpetuates in itself and it becomes overwhelming i'll tell you what man it, it like sitting here reflecting on that i i swear to god like the the web of stories and lies and and secrets and manipulation that I had going on and it was like it was like the movie Inception right like I didn't even know who the fuck I was with some of these storylines I had going on you know I'd pop up my head my eyes open boom how am I getting loaded today and then that and I'd I'd be sitting here like a like a like a fucking like a conductor right like here I said this to this person that didn't work I'm gonna say this to this one that worked oh all right and then what am I gonna say after that and I mean it's like I was right. in this this symposium of just bullshit 24 7 I mean it's crazy to think about right like like and that may be off base because I know it's not about secrets but but goddamn sometimes when I think about that it's just I'm so grateful to not live like that anymore yeah the worst part of it for me was when one of my secrets, and I had a few, and I, you know, I didn't worry that much about them because I was not going to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And then down the road, I'd be around people that knew me and they were talking about shit and it's kind of hinting around something I did that nobody knows that I'm the one that did it. And I'm thinking, that motherfucker knows. <laughs> They're watching yeah. me. They're looking at my body reactions right now. I better make eye contact. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. thinking, oh, my God, how do they know? They saying something. Uh, da, 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 da. You know, so the tape starts going again, that loop. You That's know? a great point. That's a great oh. point. That's what reminds me I don't want to have them because that paranoia of, like, do they know? When am I going to get that call? When's the other shoe going to drop? Um, they're going to find out. Somebody, like, I, I just – I don't. I choose not to live that way today. So I try. I keep the secrets away from me. Change the topic. Let's talk about 49ers football. I got to get his mind off of that. We can't be That's going right. that way. I got to get <laughs> you know because I'm uncomfortable now. You know, and that's here we go again. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that topic yeah. has generated some great discussion. It's a- and people get. Serious when they realize I don't give a damn what your secrets are, just the relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an important part. 
there's something so powerful about having a, like you said, a relationship with them, right? Like, like yep. having a, having a healthy relationship with them. And, and I think there's also something, there's a big testament uh, to, <coughs> to letting those things out and then, and then having that, that, that healthy relationship with it. Uh, that's, that's where I'll be, I'll be captain pound on every door saying, get yourself a sponsor, do your four, do your five, do, do the steps and, and, and let those, let those secrets, let those things out. Uh, cause it, cause it will free you. Right. And then you'll, yep. you'll learn to deal with it in a healthier way. Uh, I, I I'm going to have to call my sponsor after this episode. Cause like I said, there's some things I got to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, I mean Cameron. It, it happens, right? It happens. Like, you know, things that I hadn't thought about in a while, like all of a sudden popped up and be like, Hey, you know what? I, I, I should probably talk to somebody about that. I haven't, I haven't talked about it. I was so drunk when I went, I was so like wet brained when I was going through that, that I forgot a lot of things. Sure. Yeah. Cam, why don't you tell Randall a little bit about you going going to work for a while? I think he would be interested in that story. Okay, well, we we can. I'll give you the quick synopsis. So, in like the tail end of what was like my my rock bottom, uh, my uh, me and my current wife. Now um, we were living together, and. <laughs> I got laid off, obviously, right? Because I, I couldn't hold a job. I was I was drunk every day. You know, I wake up and just drink. Um, you know, five thirty in the morning. So what mm. what I would what I would do is I would get my work clothes out, like I was going to, and I had I had a good job at the time. I was or before I got laid off, I was doing land surveying. I was making you know upwards of well, close to like six figures. I was making good money, um, and uh, I would put my work clothes out, and I would go i'd wake up in the morning and i would give her a smooch and then i would go i'd put my work boots on my jeans and i'd walk out the door i'd get in my car and i'd drive to the closest am pm i'd buy my first two sets of beers and i'd go and i'd drive around neighborhoods drinking them waiting for her to go to work and then once she left the apartment i would pull back into the apartment and i'd continue and that would be the start of my fucking day and i'd sit there and the drinking started 5 30 in the morning all the way until i went to bed that night and i rinsed and repeated and eventually imagine this um i got caught Uh, she found out i wasn't going to work so (laughs) i was waiting to hear that part (laughs) i mean i mean i i couldn't believe it i thought i was super slick right Uh, right yeah yeah so so not one of my finer moments uh that that surprisingly wasn't bottom, you know. Uh, I I still I still went on, got got my nose broke by a homeless person, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, you and I'll have to talk. I'm not going to trade war stories with you, but yeah, that that was one of my finer moments. Well, what I'm sitting here thinking is that you had to change for you to say my wife today. Yeah, yeah. You had to change. Yeah, absolutely. I have two kids. I have right, kids. you had to change. I, yeah, I got I got married. I have I have two I have two beautiful children. Um, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams because I had that spiritual awakening. I I, I couldn't. Uh, all people can talk about the twelve step program and AA um, all they want, but that that the the room saved my life. Uh, I I didn't have much longer, you know. Right. Yeah, with the way I was drinking and driving around and and all that, I'd be in prison or I'd be dead by now, six years from now, guaranteed, without a fit. That's some good personal awareness. Well, thank you, Randall. I appreciate that. So, Hen, are you frozen again? No, I I was just looking at my notes. Um, One of the topics that came up with our last guest, he said 
um, put into the universe what you want to get. So instead of just asking for it, you put it out there and you put action into it. And it reminded me of something that you used to say, and I don't remember exactly how you used to say it, but it was something like um, prayer without action is just, what is that? Bullshit. Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I've met people that say, I prayed like when the lottery would get up to like that billion dollar level. Oh, I'm going to win. I'm praying for it. The Lord's going to bless me. I'm going to win at this time. And I say, how many tickets did you buy? You want to go half with me? They go, no, I had not bought any tickets, but I know I'm going to win. And I'm like, what? Okay. And that's That's what I first realized. If you didn't ask one probing question, you wouldn't know that they haven't bought any tickets and didn't plan to. It was just a general statement to be a part of the big conversation about winning the Powerball. I'm like, dang, what's that about? And then I thought applying that to other times that I've heard people say different things about what they want to do and what they look forward to do and putting it out in the universe. But what's the action steps? And that's where, you know, you really can tell or your bullshit detector should go off of they're doing it or they're just playing around. Audio doesn't match the video. Right. Now, Henry, I did want to mention your father gave me one of my more touchy moments in my life. You know, when I was 12 years old, I found my father dead. And so I've never really had that adult man in my life, blood relative, that was, that's my boy. You know, and I played all the sports, football, basketball, and track, and I was really good at them, especially football and track. And I never had that, there's my father up in the stands. I never had that. My mom was always there. And so I was down at sober living for something, and you had just moved to sober living. And your dad and your daughter were there, and we were in the kitchen area. And you introduced me to your dad, and your dad came over to me, and he said, he gave me a big hug, but it wasn't a hug, it was a grasp. And he whispered in my ear, thank you for giving me my son back. And I didn't know what to say, because I knew the road ahead for you, but he was so filled with joy and relief at that moment. And like I say, it wasn't a hug and release. It was a grasp, and he held on to me. And I'm like, wow. So when I see you and talk to you, that's why I always ask, how's your dad doing, Henry? Yeah. (laughs) He did. You you do. They live vicariously through. I didn't have a dad to to love me the way your dad loves you. And so you asked me how how he's doing and is he so proud of me? And you know what? I got a a very nice text from the man himself today um, telling me how that's crazy. There's here's one of those God things. I got a very nice text from my dad today telling me how proud of me he is and um, how far I've come. And uh, the course you are on is clear and unambiguous. There is no better metric. And you, you know, there's no bullshit success. involved. That's beautiful. Yeah. 
Well, and and my family, um, my mom, sister, and dad in particular, <laughs> ha- all echo that same opinion. You know, they have me back because I was gone for a long time, like mm-hmm. from about thirteen to thirty. Pretty much, I wasn't quite the same um, kid that they remembered, and they all. My sister says the same thing too. Um, how happy she is to have me back, and we've talked about that a lot too. Where you know the whole, oh, I'm not hurting anybody but myself, is the biggest fucking lie that we tell ourselves and others. Um, and and they were all, you know, my sister came on here and she had told us basically that she had mourned my death in essence, like she'd Ooh. given up on me and she had accepted the fact that I, she might get a call one night and I would be dead. And to hear that and imagine that feeling, you know, and, and especially being a parent myself now to imagine the love that I have for my daughter. And if I had to get some of the calls that my parents had to get about her, which I still could, of course, but I, I know I can imagine and understand the feeling and the torment and the pain. Um, and that's another important tool for, for, for keeping me clean is uh, to remember that, that pain and, and that I don't want to put them through that anymore. Right. You know what I think is super cool is it's the, uh, <clears throat> the power of Henry's dad. We like to call him super boss. That's his nickname. <laughs> Um, he ha- he has that uh he has that uh that I don't know what it is. There's like a swagger about him. There's a there's an authenticity to to Mike Sheridan, right? Like I, I imagine like like you like you were explaining, Randall. Like you know, like he gave you a serious grasping hug, right? Like and, mm-hmm. and he always keeps it that way. Like like what Mike is gonna tell you, he means it, and it's and it's and it's fucking straight. It's it is what it is, and then I think it's so beautiful that you bring that up. And Henry, you get that you get that wonderful text from your dad, right? And I mean, I mean, how fucking cool is that? I mean, we're sitting here, Randall. Randall got to watch you go through go through treatment, listen to all your bullshit and all that stuff, and then he's talking, asking how your dad is, and then you get a wonderful text from your dad. Life's fantastic. Um, it's just it's just it's so awesome this recovery thing and i know that's a cheesy ass you know generic milk toast response but but i mean i love that type of shit i love it so much me too yeah well today actually marks today that's crazy (laughs) marks my six years of my original clean date from when i got to jacob's ladder so i don't have six consecutive years um but my dad has it in his calendar and that's why he texted me today and he texted me he texted me that and he said congratulations so proud of you six years this and that and i said well i'm sorry to tell you that you know your calendar's wrong you know we've talked about this it's not exactly and he said my calendar's not wrong for six years you've been doing this thing the the quality of your life has improved like i don't care you know, the consecutive days are nice, but who you are today versus who you were six years ago is such a vast difference that, you know, you deserve credit. And I'm so proud of you. It was something like that. Um, wow. <laughs> Look at the, what a crazy that this is the day, too. That's well, incredible. yeah. And there's, you know, I'm, as I shared with you all, I'm a multiple relapser. But I'm also a multiple person who had gotten the hell up. 
Mm-hmm. Knowing when it's time, you better get up and 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 do something different before the crazy stuff that happens in the drug and alcohol game before a long prison sentence kicked in, you know, getting maimed or cut or shot out there doing what we do and getting up and then hearing about others that you were hanging with, partying with something happened in their dead. And you're like, damn, I usually would have been over there. And now I'm three months clean. But if I hadn't got clean, I'd have been in that house too. I'd have been in that car too. You know, so there's so much value in to look back and go, damn, I'm glad I stopped when I stopped and got back in recovery. You know? And- yeah, and it goes without saying, the fact that the three of us are sitting here having this conversation right now is three miracles. Mm-hmm. That we're all alive and not in jail or, or in, you know, wherever the hell else. Like, it, that in itself is incredible. Right. Amen to that. I see. I see on the notes here, Hen. Um, what do I see here? Hang on. I got to bring this up. I'm the most important addict in this room, Randall. Tell me about that, because I've heard Henry bring it up. <coughs> there were times, and I still, well, I still feel that way today. Where that come from? I used to talk a lot of shit because I felt like I knew a lot of shit, but my self-care was horrible. I could sound really good. My audio was beautiful, beautiful. But my video when nobody was around was dastardly at times. And so that statement comes from, I'm the most important person in the room, is an egotistical self-care statement. I'm going to take care of me especially as a peer recovery support specialist, so I can be in position to help somebody that comes in the door that sounds like me, looks like me, and is asking for help. So I say I'm the most important person. I got to stay on my pathway, follow sponsor suggestions, do the program, live right, pay bills, all that sorts of things. So when I talk to somebody, I'm living what I'm talking and so I have to focus on what I need to do. Anybody can tell you what you need to do. Hell, parents told us for years. We didn't do it. We <laughs> thought we knew better. But when I keep that focus on, I'm the most important person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that was a, a turning point kind of thing for me. And I was dating a woman at the time. And she's still clean. And she has like 18 years now. And I said that in a meeting in Vermont, and one of her girlfriends came up to her and said, I can't believe that Randall said that he was the most important thing, recovery, you know, he was the most important person in the room. I can't believe he didn't say that you were. And my girlfriend at the time laughed at her and was like, he better be thinking he's the most important person, because if he gets high again, there is no us. Yeah, and I, I equate it to the, the metaphor from the plane of put your oxygen mask on before helping your kids or loved ones. Because if I'm if I'm passed out, not breathing, I can't help anyone else. Right. So I remember the first time he said it, we're in class, and you imagine this powerful man. He goes, I'm the most important in this room, gentlemen. <laughs> we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I hope you feel that way about yourself. That's right. <laughs> uh 
And yeah, it, it's so powerful because I can't, I'm no good to anyone if I don't take care of myself first. I can't help my daughter, my family, my fiance. I'm no good to anyone if I don't treat myself like I'm the most important thing that I need to take care of. Yeah, there's a lot to that. There is a lot to that. And I think, uh, I think it's important and I think it can get misconstrued, right? Like, like some people could, could misinterpret that as an ego right. thing, right? Be, be like, well, what the fuck do you mean by that? Be like, you're not the most important fucking person here. Be like, well, that's not what I mean. Is I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm trying to make sure that, that number one here is, is where I need to be so I can pass this on to other people like you do, Randall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 All right. The other one that was big for me was wear your feet. That's right. It's funny you say that because since we started this tonight, I said to myself, this is a good place for my feet to be in right now. (laughs) You know, and my belief is that if you ever wonder where you are in life, look down at your feet and you'll find the answer. I love that. You can go anything else. Where your feet are is where you're at in life. One of his favorite um, <laughs> phrases was, where are your feet? If you up on this mountain talking to this black man, you done fucked up. It's, That's right. You're not here because your life was going great. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Where are your feet? Be where right. your feet are. Right. Because there were so was- many people that wanted to act like they were running shit. And here they are on the mountain with me. Yeah. You don't meet right. me by accident. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is- oh, but my girlfriend's over here doing this, and what about that over there? Where are your feet? Where are you at right now? You're in a fucking treatment facility, bro. <laughs> it's like life's, life's not going too well. You have no position to help any of those people or worry about that right now. Where are your feet at? Hey, That's right. I, I think it's That's so right. funny how we can we can in the beginning. Uh, even even to even to this day, we still can. I guess. I, well, not I guess. I know it. I I, I do it sometimes, but. Uh, how we think like, you know, we're the hottest thing is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Be like, bro, you, you got like 10 days fucking clean. You got, you got bags under your eyes. I had a broken nose, but you, you don't got shit figured out. So, I, so I do, I do love that. You know, you're standing up here on the mountain with me, man. You don't got anything figured out. Look where you're at. Right. Look where you're at. I love that. Well, I'm going to ask the next question, Randall. And then we got, we've actually been jamming. This has been awesome. I appreciate your time, brother. Um, What's your favorite part of recovery, Randall? Good question. The first thing that jumped in my mind was the ability to actively listen to what the others are saying. Like I will never pull out my phone during a meeting. Um, I turn it off. I have a belief because I know what I've been through. If I can't give a goddamn hour to my recovery or my effort towards my recovery, then what am I doing? So I value the hour and I actively listen because I'm going to hear something that I needed to hear. And I love the fact that some I don't have any control of when I'm going to hear it, but I have to be actively listening to what's being said for me to go, damn, I needed to hear that. And so, you know, that's a big part of like, you got to show up to get to hear that. And so that's huge for me. You know, the, the easy thing is, oh, well, I like helping people. Yeah, 
that comes with it. But again, I got to take care of Randall so I can stay in the position and that my voice has some value and I'm not bullshitting people. In this field, or addiction counselor or blah, 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 with 15 letters behind your name in the addiction field. <clears throat> if you're not clean or you relapse, they don't come back and get back into the field because guilt, shame, and credibility are gone. And how do you rebuild that when you sat back and told people you better do this and you got to do that and da, 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 and then you get fucked up, get dry in your name, Get high, your name's all in the paper on blast. Can you come back to a meeting then? Have you been coming enough to what even going to know you? Or are you just this guy that's sitting around in wisdom as if you got some shit figured out? And so I don't want to be that person again. I had people tell me in 2011 with tears in their eyes, young men say, Randall, man, I can't believe you relapsed. I never thought you'd get high again. And I never forgot that. So I like to say what I mean and mean what I say and do the things that I need to do so I can keep some level of credibility on recovery. That's like, for me, that's the best answer I can give you to that. No, that's a great one. And and I'm, I'm glad you brought up um, self-care. We talked a little bit about self-care and, and being selfish and I'll put selfish in air quotes. Um, I think that was the first time with you that I learned that it's important to be quote unquote selfish sometimes. Um, and I'd never thought of it that way. People always use selfish as like a negative term, but it's important to be selfish because uh, in a way that you're working on yourself and taking care of yourself um, and back to, you know, put your gas mask on before you, you put the others on. You can't help anybody if you don't help yourself, and nobody's going to love you unless you can love yourself, and and all that. So, right. that's definitely another thing I, I took from you that I that I carry with me. Yeah, Randall, I I think um, <clears throat> I think uh, what you're doing is really important, man. I like I said earlier in the uh, in the um, interview. You're a staple out there, whether you know it or not. Do you do you know do you know do you know the uh, the story that precedes you, my man? I don't feel it. <laughs> okay. I, I really don't feel it. Okay. I feel uncomfortable at times. Okay. Um, you know, I definitely go to meetings and all of that, but there are times I feel uncomfortable because I just want to be like a regular guy, not somebody that's supposed to know some shit. Yeah. Because there's a reason my feet are in the meeting too. Yeah. You know, and I don't yeah. get like three cheers to stretch out and get big old sodas and coffee <laughs> and shit to drink because it's not like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was sleeping under a bridge at one time. And I think that's sorry. It man. was tough, man. I was sleeping under a bridge and I rode over in my hometown because I thought it was raining. And when I looked up, it wasn't raining. A dog was pissing on me. Oh, fuck. So, did you not tell him that story, Henry? <laughs> yeah. I forgot until you just started telling me. Yeah, that was the first time I went to treatment. Oh. No, that was the second time yeah. I went to treatment. That was, that was rough. 
Oh, that was rough. Oh, fuck. I mean, it's not. Yeah, that'll do it. Take you somebody till you roll over and the dog is letting it loose on you. Oh. And you don't have anywhere to shower yeah. and nowhere to change clothes. You know, all the bridges are burned down and there's nowhere to go. And I've shared that when I've gave my lead over the years and people fall out laughing. Ah, ah, a dog pissed on you. And my response is always the same. I hope you're never in a position in your life where a dog pisses on you. Yeah. It was not funny to me. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny at times. I mean, I laugh about it now, but I don't want to revisit it to see if it's still funny. Yeah. 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 yeah it sounds like a miserable place to be. You, uh, <laughs> you still in, uh, do you still enjoy what you do? Randall, do you still, do you still have, do you still wake up and, and have a fire and you got to go out and keep, keep fighting the good fight to help some people pull some people out of the fire? Most of the time I do. The only roadblocks I have is the job's only going to pay a certain amount of money. Yeah. Um, and there is levels of money to be made in this field. And it's usually made by people with five to 10 letters behind their name yep. that hadn't sat down with a person one day cleaning years and asked them how they're doing. Yeah. We're telling a fleet of people, here's how we run the program. But when's the last time that person has sat down and just reached out and listened to somebody one-on-one? That's kind of like one of my pet peeves. But I'll probably die doing ABA because I love giving it away. I'm up to 197 topics now. Wow. And I, I can't even let my mind go into... I got to come up with three more to get 200. It just happens when it happens when I something hits me. But I've been at 197 now for about six, seven months. Are you still doing trainings for? Yes. So that people can do um, take it to their rehab or whatever else they're doing? Yep. And awesome. those are fun. Those are a lot of fun. Well, we'll we'll link that in our in the show notes and and see if um, because that's that program I, I learned more from that program than probably any other thing um, that I've done in in treatment centers um, and getting that out to the world. I'm I'm so happy that you were able to. Uh, you're published, right? It's published now. It's copyrighted. Copyrighted. And the reason it's copyrighted, there was a lady I met. The first professional that ever saw my work in 2002, I was telling her about it. She said, bring bring it over and let me read it. And now I wanted to like try to see if I could do a group. And I went to see her the next day. Her name is Sally Ryle, and she passed away now. She was a 30-year-plus AA member from, oh, my God. She got clean in San Francisco. This lady I'm talking about, Sally Ryland. And she said, Randall, take a seat. She said, I want to tell you something. This is good. This is real good. I only had like 25, 30 topics. And we talked and she's like, I got to tell you one more thing. Do not give your work away. People are going to ask you for this. Do not give it to them. And I've lost friends over the years that, Oh, Randall, da 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 da. Great. Can I get a copy? Nah. 
<laughs> I can't give it to you. I can't give it. I can't just give you my work. I've been writing this six, seven, eight years. Yeah. I can't give it to you, and they've gotten pissed. Yeah. I'm like, you know, can't give it to you. And so COVID allowed me to put everything together and to send it off to you at copyright office and be meticulous with everything because everything that I train people on is at the U.S. Copyright Office. And it was a beautiful day to get that letter in the mail to give me my copyright number. And I have it framed up and stuff. It's the one thing I can say that, like, I kind of have proof that I put something together that's really helped others. That's awesome. Absolutely. That's so awesome. Well, this is a huge full circle moment for me because uh, six years ago, I was sitting in your class, uh, scared to death, upset about being in West Virginia and upset about cooking my own fucking food and whatever else. And and now you're here and you're on my podcast and, and you're still helping others. And now I'm helping others. I was going to say, when you said the, about the pay, uh, it's unfortunate. It's so bad that I just do it for free. I'd rather do it for free than get paid mm-hmm. and do it as a job. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm, I really, uh, I'm really grateful for you. You, you know that I don't, I don't need to tell you, but, I appreciate you coming on here and I, I appreciate everything you've done for me and, and everyone else that's gone through uh, that program and, and everyone's lives who you touched. I know you probably don't like to hear it, but uh, you do mean a lot to this community and to a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of people that I've known that have gone through that program uh, that, you know, credit you of, of being uh, the staple of that program. So I really appreciate you, and I, I appreciate you sticking around and being part of my we, and then also coming on here tonight. Thank you very much for having me. You know, um, remember, if anybody tells you I ain't shit and they hated me or whatever, if they keep talking, then it'll get into what they learned. I love when people dislike me and, mm-hmm. and don't like ABA, and then they keep talking and they start talking about what they got from it. You know, I always tell people, if you don't like Randall Brown, you don't like the truth. Right, because right. that's, that's it's just the truth. It's just awareness. It's always yep. just awareness. No, it's yep. okay. And that, and we don't like that when we first come mm-hmm. in. And and that's a that's another great lesson and a great thing. Like you don't have to like it, but it's the truth. And when right. you can start to look at yourself and be like, "Ooh, I'm like God," you know, "Fuck, man, fuck." I guess he's not wrong. Well, I guess maybe I should look at that and think about that and work on that. And it gets you used to to looking into yourself and being like, well, maybe I was the fucking problem. <laughs> you know, and I think one of the big parts, the other half of that up at Jacob's Ladder, when I would hit people hard in group, I'm going to meet with you one-on-one that week and we're going to go somewhere on the property and it's just going to be me and you and we're going to talk man-to-man. And I love oh. that part of it. You remember those? I'm so glad you said that because you know what? You just reminded me of my other favorite thing you ever said to me. We didn't meet one week for a one-on-one. And I said, you said, man, I didn't get to see you this week. And I said, well, I thought there's some new guys up there. And I thought maybe it was more important for them to meet with you. And you told me, don't ever kill your dog to save the neighbor's cat. That's right. And I have remembered that. Like, I think that is the most profound thing because that just goes, I'm the most important addict in this room. They need to meet with Randall, but so do I. So like, 
I love that, man. I've, you've given me so many nuggets like that, and uh, it's really been been a a big uh, big help in keeping me clean. Well, Randall, let me let me give you the the smallest <coughs> amount of gratitude. First off, thank you for coming on, um, and and thanks for being such a big part of my my buddy Henry's life. I know you were just doing your job, right? Uh, but but I think God's working through you in 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 a great way. And congratulations on getting that stuff copyrighted. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know the things that you've told Henry have even gotten passed on to me. And I and me and you don't know each other for fucking Adam. So so uh, like we talked about earlier, how how those roots spread out. You, you, your your program that you taught him six years ago reached all the way over here to Sacramento, California, um, in some phone conversations, right about recovery. So. Right. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful thing and and i really appreciate you coming on here i hope you had a good time and i and and it was really nice meeting you well it's really nice for me to engage in open and honest communication get to know you talk with henry about things that he's learned over the past six years and it's crazy that it's been six years yeah i mean that's pretty fast yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, time flies. Henry frozen again. Henry is yeah, again. frozen. <laughs> well, if it's still recording, let's just ride let's it just out. Ride We're about out. out of here anyway. All right, thank you. Thanks Taylor. for coming, Randall. Yep. All right. Well, we will. love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good evening, guys. You too, brother. Bye. Bye. Later. Frozen Henry. I'm Let sitting me here. I'm sitting here. Wait here. Oh, we're back. He's back. Got a all right, man. What do, what do you think? All the anticipation, brother. What do you think? What, hey, man. Give me man. your man. I absolutely loved it, man. Uh, you can just you can just sense and and feel his his genuineness, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just so genuine, so real. Uh, he he's about it. Um, he's he's one of us, and and you can feel it coming from him, right? And, and, uh, I could see why, why you guys are so attracted to him. Cause I could see how he could look you straight in the eye and tell you some shit you didn't want to hear. You could just see it by sitting there looking and listening to him talk. <laughs> Dude. And we get this version of him, which was awesome, which is happy. He's happy to be here. He's doing this, but I tell you what, man, when, when Randall fucking gets fired up about you and what he gets fired up about is like someone not taking responsibility for their actions, someone trying to manipulate someone being dishonest and he will fucking come at you. Um, not like scary, but like he's not playing, he's not playing around and it's the best thing. I love to watch it. And even when it happens to you, like I said, you're just like, God damn, I fucking, I don't like what he's saying, but man, you're fucking right. You know, or, or you might, you might go think about it later and you might be laying in bed and you'd be like, that son of a bitch was right. Wow. <laughs> straight up, you know, straight up. And those, and are- like you said, go ahead, man. Like you said, and like he said, you know, he talks about this shit, but he's living it and he's not, you can, you know, he's not telling you something that he wouldn't do or hasn't done. Um, and he's experienced it. He's been through the trenches, all that. So it, everything, it just gives him this validity uh-huh. Uh, you know, he's just giving you straight facts, straight honesty, straight truth, straight what, straight. It's just fucking straight. It's fucking straight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's no, you're not like, oh, this guy's full of shit. Cause he's not. He's just giving it to you. 
how it is. Yeah, man. And then, and I think there's actually one really fucking profound thing that, you know, you can sit here and kind of laugh about, but you're sleeping under a bridge and a fucking dog comes up and pisses on you. And you want to talk about fucking, you know, turning your life around and, you know, you got your program that you made up on the spot, like, like getting copyrighted and helping people. And like I said, the coolest thing um, was the connection even I made, right? Like, dude, I don't know that dude from fucking Adam. I don't go to Jacob's ladder. Right. But shit he taught you it has come over and infected my life. You know, and, 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 and what's fucking cooler than that? So I think his legacy will live on forever. I know that he'll always have an impression on you for the rest of your days walking on this planet. And, and I think that there is nothing more beautiful than that. And that's what, that's what this whole fucking thing is about, bro. So I was really excited. Um, I'm glad he didn't roast me. Um, that was good. Yeah, that was, good. I wanted him to, but yeah, I don't think he, he was, gonna, he was on his P's and Q's. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, man, and and we said this before and I'll say it again. We stand on the shoulders of giants. We didn't make most of this shit up. We're just giving to you what was freely given to us. Amen. Um and we're just we're just passing along the message, you know what I mean? So yep. I love that too. I'm so glad he he mentioned that. Don't ever don't ever kill your dog to save the neighbor's cat. I never heard that one before. That's a good one. I love it, dude. It's like it doesn't make sense, and it makes perfect fucking sense, dude. Dude, it's like that's my dog. I don't fuck your cat. You know, I'm worried about me and my dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and it comes back to the I'm the most important addict in this room, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's just another way of phrasing it. But and that's not even just addicts, man. That's that's everyone. Like, take care of yourself. Get some self care. Yeah. Be selfish. Be selfish in a way that you're not doing things you don't want to fucking do just because you think you owe it to someone else. Yes. Be selfish in that way. Yeah. It's not, we're not, when we say be selfish, we're not saying be toxic, selfish. Like you're sitting there, you know, just doing everything for me because it's just me, 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 me. No, we're doing what's right for us. And only, you know, what is right for you. So if you are feeling that internal pull inside of yourself to, Hey, I, I need to do this for myself. Do it. Be selfish about it. Who gives a fuck? They'll get over it. And 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 if they don't, then you don't need those people in your life. And Hen and I have said that, you know, ad nauseum around here, but it's the fucking truest thing. <laughs> it really is. You got to take care of yourself. So yeah. I will get our spiel, man. Um, there is a little adage on this one. Um, the uh, No Al Club over in uh, Carmichael, over here burned down about a year and a half ago. This was the room. Um, oh no. Yeah. This was the room that I actually got sober in. Um, is that the one by yes, Manzanita? Yep. That's the one we went to that one time. Yeah. It burned down. Oh dude. Yeah, it's a tragedy, oh, man. man. Thousands of people walk through that door a week, you know, and they don't do that anymore. Um, so they have set up a GoFundMe page to get that thing rebuilt. Um, I am going to link it in the show description. Any help would be um, greatly appreciated. Uh, it will go to restoring the building so that um, more people who need help, um, alcoholics and addicts, will have a place to go um, for meetings. So if you would like to do that, that would be great. Um, give us a follow on <clears throat> everything, Rude Dude Pod, all one word. Um, we do have a support this podcast um link at the bottom of each show description if you could help us out as well um um a monthly donation of 99 cents would go a long way to help us growing this podcast we um we've hit a little plateau and we need to we need to we need to reach out and get some more advertising so if you could help in any which way we would greatly appreciate it 
Um, we have merch and that's about it. Hen, do you have anything you wanted to share before we wrap? I, you know, I don't, man. I'm in this, uh, I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm reliving this, all this information that we just talked about and That's I'm cool. going to, I'm going to do a Cameron line. I, I got some stuff to sit and marinate on now. <laughs> hey dude, dude, uh, dude. I love the super boss full circle, dude. Who would have thought of that? Right. Yeah. That, that is crazy. That, that, that happened today. And he does, he, he asked me about my dad a lot and he tells me, he's like, because and he's also he also gave me some perspective on appreciating what I have yeah. because he never had that and he's like you know how fucking he's cried to me before like you know how fucking cool that is man you know how nice that is to have a dad that loves you cherish that shit Dude. so not everyone gets that and it's like god damn. Once again, you're fucking right, Randall Brown. <laughs> dude, 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 he is the Snoop Dogg meme, dude. This motherfucker don't miss, dude. <laughs> I mean, he really don't. All right, yeah. man. Well, hey, good job last week. It's good to be back, man. I missed you. And uh, next week we have good another have guest, uh, the other half of Jeremy, um, in his oh, in his rehab road trips. So you guys are in for another treat. He's oh, he's yeah. got a tall order to fill after old Jeremy's episode. Um, so we'll see if he's That's up right. see if he's up to the task. I think he's up to the task. All right, I'll be the fucking judge of that, pal. Um, I will finish <laughs> it like I always do. Uh, Wait, I, hold on, before you finish it, how was my <laughs> last week, bro? I got I got to tell you the. <laughs> end um i i almost pissed my pants bro it sounded like a dying fucking sparrow bro not all of us it could, was so bad. <laughs> so bad dude not all of us could i've always it. wondered how you've done that i didn't practice or anything and it was it was rough well remember dude i used to do like death metal vocals and shit in bands like i got i got a pretty good i got a pretty good control of like my my vocal box um and 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 when i'm around the house i i mean that was pretty good, dude. Um, I don't got it. See, no, I die every day. No, no. Um, but yeah, you should see me around this house, dude. I'm doing, I'm doing all kinds of wild fucking sounds and shit. So that's how that comes around. Um, but you did, you did a good job, dude. You sounded like a little dying baby. Thanks, sir. Um, but I'll finish it like I always do. Um, I love you, Hen, very much. Good to be back, brother. I love you too, Cam. And remember, never kill your dog to save the neighbor's cat. And be yourself and fuck what they think. It's not it's not weird anymore. It's really not. It's not. <laughs> Later it.